0: You are now tuned into Reppin' Sessions Podcast. Exclusive interviews with White Oak Roughneck legends. Follow on Instagram and Facebook, Reppin' the
1: Roughnecks. Reppin' Sessions Podcast, episode four. We have a good one here. We mentioned last episode, James is now the co-host, so this is our
0: first official podcast, James. James. Together? Yes, today we have Mister Jerry Kunai Lujack Undefeated Davis with us. And and I th- I think we need to uh, start out and clarify all these names. All right. Where did Kunai
2: come from, Jerry? <laughs> that gets blamed on corky arms. <laughs> all right, go we ahead. we went to we were played a junior high, ninth grade basketball game in Gladewater, and, and got beat and my, we came back to the, to the field house and my daddy was there to pick me up. Well, three or four other guys needed a ride so everybody just piled in and Corky was one of them. And uh, I had a leather jacket and it was cold and I had that leather jacket pulled up over my head to uh, stay warm. And Corky looked at me and he said, you look like an old coon up in the tree. And he, when he said that, he, the next day my name was kunai and it stuck. And I'm gonna tell you, my ex brother-in-law that passed away here, while, every time I'd call him on the phone, his, his first words, I'd be Kunai <laughs> Yes Yes, Corky,
0: Corky was an exceptional person. <laughs> He used to tell me, uh, Brother Marcus, I love you like a brother. says, But the Texas Rangers aren't going to uh, be any good this year. <laughs> and he was right up and uh, he had passed away before they did have their World Series runs.
2: Yeah. Uh,
0: okay, <laughs> now let's get to Lou
2: Jack. Well, uh, your daddy was the only one, I guess he and Mr. Cox maybe yeah. referred to me as Lou Jack. And he had that furniture store there in Greyton. And one day, and and my girlfriend and I were driving by, and he stepped out on the front steps and acted like he was punting the ball, and he hollered, Lou Jack! (laughs) You can hear it all over the area, you know! (laughs) That's the first time I'd heard the Jack thing, you know. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh yeah, he was
0: always, we'd be riding around, he'd be talking about you yeah. and calling you Jerry Jack all the time. <laughs> now, the undefeated comes from, you're the only quarterback in the history of the school that started for two years. Every game you started, uh, you did not lose. Yeah. The uh, so you have you have that and I and you're in some mighty good company, yeah. I guarantee you. Uh,
2: that. The the first game of the junior year when yeah, it was yeah, in let's, the space, let's, let's Tommy see Jones. Tommy Jones started at quarterback and then Cotton switched me out and put and pulled Tommy out and put me at the quarterback in the last quarter. And um uh, we scored. We scored one time. We'd already we had one touchdown, and then we scored another one. And I, the way he did it, I pitched the ball back to Bob Wade on a sweep, and Bob threw the touchdown. You know, and uh, it was it was the kind of thing that I think maybe Tommy didn't. He didn't quite have the confidence and the you know the rewards mm-hmm. thought to be quarterback and and. It's a funny thing. Was the previous year when Punk Miller and all them were seniors, I was playing in the line. I wasn't in the backfield even. And uh, I remember out there in practice one day, and he called a. I had a pulling job to pull and and trap uh, somebody on the other side and. And the the guy the guy did was a sophomore and he didn't really know much about it, what was going on and I hit him right square in the chest and just flattened him you know <laughs> and I heard somebody Billy Stites or somebody said who is that I heard Cotton and I remember saying that's Jerry Davis <laughs> but I I was still going to be a lineman at, at yeah. that that age but. It didn't take long. So you didn't to play quarterback
1: growing up or anything? That was your first time playing quarterback your I junior year? I played
2: quarterback in my freshman year when we had a freshman team. And uh, I had, i uh, lucky to play because I had a serious accident in the spring and broke this arm, compound fracture in mm-hmm. my left arm. And uh, Coach Hanek was really serious about Saying you need to sit out a year and let that arm heal longer because it had to happen in the spring, but by the time we reported in the fall, ready to yeah. go, I, I said I'm fine. Let's go. Well, tell
0: tell me about uh, Coach Cat. Let's let's and then we'll jump back
2: to this other. You know, um, when you think back to that when they built that new gymnasium that sits up above the the football field? Oh, yeah. I don't know where. It's probably a middle school gym or something like I that so now. Now. I was looking through the annuals, and you, I brought one of those annuals with me, that um, they built that new gym, and uh, Don, was it Don Davis, uh, Richard Robb, and Lynn Vaughn, and a bunch of those guys were on the team that yeah. got to open up that new gym. Well, they ended up winning the state championship yeah. that year. They won a state championship in Austin. Well, what
0: about Mr. Hanecak as a football coach?
2: I, coach Hanecak was so conscientious and dedicated to coaching that he could have, I believe he could have coached anything. Okay, okay. when and I was told my daddy,
0: they were friends, you know, when Hanecac, when coach. <coughs> Coach Tanikac left wide open. Went to Pine Tree. He says, "I don't care if he ever coaches basketball. I wanted him over here because he had the reputation of getting young kids ready to play high school." Yeah. Oh yeah. What about Bob
2: Perry? Wasn't he in your office? Bob was. You know, I didn't work under him very much. I mean, he. The thing I know about Miss Perry was I took all my shop classes under him, and I. I enjoyed the heck out of that. I mean, yeah. you know, he, he in fact, he it was, it was uh, drafting and building wood yeah. pro, uh, wood projects and then metal projects and all that sort of thing. I I, I, I thought he was great. Were you
0: in in uh, Roy's class the day that uh, the boy came from Gladewater and they were under the old gym getting some wood out to make a project and. Boy from Glaywater was uh, shooting Bob Perry the finger, and he saw the shadow. He turned around and grabbed both of them and popped their heads together. <laughs> Roy says, "It wasn't me, Mr. Perry. It wasn't me, Mr. Perry." <laughs>
2: now, that's a Bob Perry story. He told us that in high school. Yeah, he. Uh, I liked him. He was yeah. a good teacher. And there was another teacher we had that I really liked was Wesley Watley. He, he taught American history and world history and civics and economics and those things. West was was the principal at Foster when I went there. Who? Mr. Watley. Oh,
0: he was? Yes, me and him had lots of times talking I, about I the you, what, and, and you he, know, he's he, still alive over on Spring Hill cut Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, and so is Alfred Lacey in Gleybor. Both of them are alive.
2: My gosh.
0: Well I'd like to go see him,
2: I really liked him, he's the one, he, his, it was his duties to teach us how to read and research and write a document and put footnotes and you know all the, the, the things giving credit to where he got the information from and so forth. And uh, he was outstanding in doing that. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Most of the time, that's that's issue in English class. Yeah. But he had he did it in so when, many When he wasn't playing jokes.
0: Yeah. Now, he loved to play jokes when, uh,
2: when I knew it. Yeah. You know, he, uh, he was real good with pistol. Pistol. Yeah. And uh, there was a guy over in Shreveport uh, named Jim... Uh, Jim Clark, and Jim Clark had a a shop that he made custom pistols, and he made the pistols for Mister Watley to use, and they together went to the national championships. Yeah. I think up in Detroit. Yeah, I knew that somewhere. Yeah, he did, and Mister Watley was good with those I pistols. i told a
0: story about how he was given a demonstration in the cafeteria and he missed and hit the mortar or something and Mr. Fagg said, that'll be all Mr. Watley. <laughs> so I went back up to Foster and told the principal at the time he was, Mr. Watley was in the uh, personnel director and of course, uh, they were talking about tearing the building down and, and yeah. they got this fund up to save that old building and, Watley just didn't know where who had done told on him and I told him Cotton, but Cotton just started going like he was shooting a gun when I mentioned yeah, that's name. Okay, let's go back to we were talking about I know that first game where you took over as quarterback was New London and we lost the ball game. Yeah. And then you picked up right That's it. There, From there it is. Is is there any specific game you're junior year you'd like to talk about any district game or that was close?
2: You know, uh, my junior year, uh, amazingly enough Hawkins played us tough I mean we beat them 20 to 6 here at White Oak and then went on and won that state championship mm-hmm. and uh, I, I remember that as being tough but then the next year, senior year yeah. they were they were getting all kinds of write write-ups in the newspaper about how this was going to be the tough game you know and there's yeah. doubts about which team was going to win <laughs> and i'm telling you roy in that hawkins game i th- i think he scored four touchdowns and and we beat them just we beat them 42 to nothing just slaughtered them, yeah you know <laughs> And I remember how vicious everybody was trying to get Hawkins players, you know, that it was. Uh, we had we had some people that knocked your head off. I guess this is
0: gonna be a Cotton Miles question to ask, but I don't know if you know this or not. I came across an assistant coach that had been at Gladewater that's not quite as old as y'all, but he told me that when Red Lawrence shook hands at the end of the game, he tried to get the opposing coach and squeeze her
2: hand. Uh huh. Oh, is that yeah. true? And I, oh yeah. I, I yeah. I I heard, think, I Bob Bob Perry told me that he said Red Lowrance has got one of the strongest grips. Yeah. You know, and uh, I, I won't tell this other because it's it. We played after the after Red had turned us in and we yeah. got kicked out. You know, senior yeah. year. We went over there to Hawkins to play a basketball game, mm-hmm. and Roy and I walked out of the dressing room, and Red was walking across, and we headed for him. Yeah. And Bailey Marshall said, "Up!" Oh. He clapped his hands. And he up. knew what y'all no, we do were going after him.
1: <laughs> that's the guy that was the reason y'all had. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. He want to turn in. Yeah, that's hand. the one that Cotton mentioned. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And oh. the,
2: the thing about that was, it they turned him in from on Mike Griffin. Mike was. Yeah. You know, Mike was an orphan. He was living with his grandmother yeah. and he didn't have a birth certificate. The only thing anything he knew about when Mac was born was an entry in the family Bible. Hmm. Well that, the UIL threw us out. I mean I think we'd nowadays they I think they'd get away with that. How sort do you of think thing. he found out about that? He went over to the courthouse and just started and digging? started digging. Through each player, it, you it, think? Yeah, yeah. I I guarantee you. It was something
0: about he was in was born in Jefferson or somewhere. And Red Red knew about him being born. Oh
2: really? You know, Red knew about But anyway,
0: back to my point. I told uh, Darrell McDonald he was an assistant uh he, he's been retired a long time now and he lives in Austin but I told him I says I bet I know one man he didn't squeeze his hand I was talking about I said cotton miles I bet he didn't squeeze Cotton's hand. cotton had to squeezed it back <laughs>
2: <Yeah. clears throat> I'm gonna tell you one on Roy and yeah, this this occurred at TCU we reported you know late that Garcy's already working out freshmen came in you know just Six eight days after the varsity had already started working out, and uh, we played as a freshman team. The freshmen couldn't play with the varsity right. at all. It was like we had our own schedule. Well, the first day of practice, we were going we were going to have tackling drills, and a guy named Jimmy McIntyre, who was turned out to be real good buddies with Roy. They roomed together later, and. Uh, Jimmy looked across, there was, Roy was in the group over here, and Jimmy was over here, and Jimmy said, I saw Roy, and Roy at that time on the way to about 185, and Jimmy was close to 200. And Jimmy said, I'm gonna get him, I'm gonna get him to be a part. (laughs) He lined up, they lined up and got a running start and hit, and I'm telling you, Roy tore his, uh, <laughs> and Jimmy was telling a story, he said, that's the hardest I've ever been hit in my life. Wow. And he said, I said, how many more times do you avoid him in that line? You got somebody else to hit, you know? And he wow. said, oh yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. The Roy had, had uh, he'd had that uh, hemorrhoid thing and lost a lot of weight in the spring yeah. after the track season was over. And he had not gained his weight back when we reported his freshman up there, so he wasn't he wasn't very big, but boy, in terms of being able to hit people and all he he hadn't lost any of that i yeah. mean he was he was tough
0: <laughs> uh oh, where were you when you found out that we had been disqualified what are your what were your failings? you know? did cotton come in and carry i think
2: out? he i think he brought us all into a room in fact I think it was the room right there on the front front facing the street in the in the high school yeah. and got us all in there and told us that uh, there was a good chance we were going to get kicked out I mean, that was before we played edgewood yeah we knew then that we'd been turned in and yeah. And there was already discussions going on between the administration and the UIL in Austin. And then after after we played after we played Edgewood, they called us back into that same room, and he said, "We've gotten the word that we're out. Mm. You know, we're we no longer are, are playing for the championship." And that was when uh, we. But the last two games of the season, we had beaten Quitman 72 to nothing and we beat Edgewood 72 to 12. I mean, just slaughtered them. Mm-hmm. And uh, the team that we ended up winning the state, I think, was White Deer. That track, White Deer. Yeah. And we ran against them down in uh, the state track meet and uh, they beat us about yay far. And, and Bailey Marshall said, if Roy had had another ten feet, we'd we'd have won that, that four hundred and forty relay. Yeah. You know? But uh, they wouldn't. Have, I don't think they would have beat us in football. Well, Bailey said he went and saw double A, even double A AA and triple A, and he said the team that won the double A championship, we would have whipped them with ease. I mean, that, you got on, you look on a you look on a roster of uh, you know Russell White being there. Yeah. And, uh, we were just strong across the line, mm-hmm. offensive defensive line, and and we had switched from a five-two defense to a four-three defense. And Roy was playing one linebacker, and I was playing one, and Ronnie Adams was playing in the middle linebacker. Yeah. And then I got hurt down at Hemp Hill; shoulder got hurt, and they pulled me out and put Russell White in my place. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's. That's That was bad news for everybody yeah. when Russell got in there. I guarantee you, yeah. <laughs> I never played no down of defense, defense until until the final game in Edgewood when matt griffin was was not playing at all in that game, yeah. and I took his place in the secondary, but that's the only defense I played all year. Uh, let's talk about the
0: night 19- go back to nineteen fifty seven again and you were talking about the first two games were kind of easy and then uh, then when y'all got to it really didn't heat up till you got to sundown, did it?
2: No. It, they, uh, in fact, there's a real good article in that book that I brought, uh, Paul, that uh, talks about how bad, bad we beat up on Wilmer Hutchins. We played them in uh, Highland Park Stadium and, and we had a we had a little we had a, a little hotel that was close to the stadium. And that night, during the night, a blue norther blew in, and it was sleeting and snowing, and the field froze overnight. And, and there'd been so much play taking place on the high Park Stadium that it wasn't much grass on the field. Most of it was bare ground. And that, that dog on ground was frozen, you know. And uh, but that that they had a guy named Wilson Parma, and um, I forget the, the he was a running back, and, and the other one was a quarterback. Both of them went to Killebrew Junior College. And I mean, we just beat them unmercifully. I mean, it was just that's where Roy got five touchdowns. Bob got. One, I think David Alexander caught one pass, and I had that long run. And uh, but you talking about cold? By the time that game was over, you just couldn't hardly breathe. Mm-hmm. You know, you just we went up down that field so much. You know, and throw in all that cold air, and that's that just, it's just hard to it's hard to play ball in in that kind of conditions. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> well, when I, I think I told you, Phil McFarland
0: had. Uh, helped coach my little league ball team because his brother was playing. He had a brother that was quite a bit younger than him. Yeah. And uh, we were sitting in the stands one night. He pulled his pants leg up. And he showed me. You see this bruise? This is this is uh, what I got at sundown. He says. Uh, he says that was a brutal game. He says I wish we could have played Mark the week before. We would have been in a lot better shape because sundown was better than Mark. Oh, that was yeah, his they were. Opinion. I tell you
2: about sundown. It, they they were big. They were big, and they had one tackle, who who was about two twenty-five. I don't remember the guy's name, but he got a college scholarship to Oklahoma. But Pat Parrish was lined up in front of him, and the, uh, the coaches said said afterwards said they had agreed with the officials. Keep your flag in your pocket don't be throwing flags on us, you know, and spending all the time walking off penalties and all that. Well, on the very first play of the game, we were on offense, and Sunday I was on defense, and that old big boy was playing right in front of Pat Parrish. And that old boy took his fist and hit Pat right in the Adam's apple. And, I mean, Pat couldn't. He, when he came back to the huddle, he couldn't breathe, and he he was turning red in the face, and he was trying to cough, and he could. And we were we tried to get him to go to the sideline, and he wouldn't go. Mm-hmm. And uh, he got about. It took about three or four plays later before he got the point. He was over it enough to start playing. Yeah. And from that point forward, Pat was a golden glove yeah. boxer. I watched him yeah. box one yeah. night in Tyler. Yeah. He was something. And he he started unloading that old, on that old boy. And the old boy just had a single bar. We we just had a single bar. Face, man. Pat was hitting him in the face with his fist. And I mean, before that game was over, that guy was bleeding forever. They didn't get ejected or anything? Uh, no. no. Didn't even throw no. the flag. <laughs> <laughs> oh... I mean, he, they, I, we all consider that guy could have hit anybody on the field and he had been better off than hitting Pat Parrish. Right. <laughs> yes, I remember
0: Daddy one, one Saturday night, we went over to Tyler and watched him uh, box. And it, it didn't take him very long to knock whoever was yeah. boxing. Oh, out. yeah. And, um,
2: but, you know, Pat was the kind that, of, he, he, he had a good Saturday night. He'd go down to Longview and... and Find somebody to start a fight. Yeah. They'd go out in a, in a field somewhere that was dirt and everything. Dr- people pr- bring their cars out to them, and the fight would ga- take place right there in the dirt. I mean, you know, <laughs> they, they wished to, when when Pat got through with them, they wished they had stayed long. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, you,
0: didn't you tell me that Phil McFarland threw a real good block on a touchdown run? Right he did. He, he he.
2: And Ronnie Adams, Ronnie Adams was the guard, and Phil was the tackle. And we ran a what was called a crossbook. And all I did was open up, and just hand the ball to Roy. And then Freddie Sutton came across on a fake, and Phil threw a good block. Ronnie got a good block, and Roy ran over two people and went seventy yards for the touchdown. Mm-hmm. And that was, I mean, he just. Once, once he got out in the open field, you gotta, you got to think about Roy, he was uh, uh, at, at normal weight, he was 195 pounds and he could run a 10-flat 100-yard dash. I mean that was, in fact our backfield the senior year, I ran a 10-4, Roy ran a 10-flat, Fred just ran a 10-flat, and Matt Griffin ran a 10-2. It was, and, and the, the article that I, they put in the newspaper that White Oak has the fastest backfield in the state of Texas. You know, because most times a team will have one good back that's really good and one that'll block and all, but not not four backs that had that kind of speed.
1: You grew up with Roy. Y'all known each other for how long? Started
2: in first grade.
1: I mean, did y'all know he was going to be special when you were playing with him? Did you know at the time that
2: we knew by the time we were in 8th grade because Roy was so tough. I, I just hated to have tackling drills with him, I mean, mm-hmm. and I was in the backfield. My size equal Roy's size, we both weighed about the same. And Cotton would pair us up in a tackling drill and Roy just buried me, I mean, that just you know, he didn't, he didn't bury me, up. all there was to it. So he, the, When you look in the annuals, you'll see a, a game that then we played uh, in commerce, and Roy was a starting fullback as a sophomore, and that commerce game was real close, and Roy, basically, his efforts won the ballgame for us. Uh, now, when y'all were seniors, let me get this uh, correct,
0: correct me if I'm wrong when we got kicked out y'all you as individuals were disqualified from being all district or all state or anything because I know uh, I've looked in the yearbook and
2: none of y'all are all well, state here's think about it I, I've done all district stuff here. voting and all the coaches voting now. Mm-hmm. That, that's what was all political Okay, so they just decided it. Why, why don't one Roy Bruce in the in the All East Texas team a guy named Randy Ray from Leverage Chapel was named the, 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 the All All East Texas fullback yeah. and he couldn't he couldn't have carried Roy Bruce's jockey strap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he just went and and another thing was that. Uh, a guy named Duke Carlisle was a quarterback at Athens. We know who Duke Carlisle. And I guarantee you, they—they they named me as as the all East, all East Texas team, and Duke Carlisle should have been on there. I mean, that guy was. But, uh, but as far as all state and all district, y'all were stripped pretty much. Yeah. All of you. Yeah. Well, you know, in the in the junior year when they won a state, we had five on the all state team. Yeah. Did you make all state that year? Mm-mm. Okay. In fact, I didn't even make all all district. Oh. They voted. Yeah. They voted a guy named Jan Llewellyn from Hawkins. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure, huh? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> the, uh, so what? So after y'all got disqualified, was there a lot of bad blood? I mean, as a player, I would have been like really upset that a guy went out of his way to. You know what I mean to do what he did to disqualify you guys. Yeah, uh,
2: there, did was, anything a lot, there bad was a out? lot of discussion about making trip to Hawkins and hunt him up at where his house. Where his house? I could out. imagine. <laughs> yeah.
0: What Mr. Handicaps idea to y'all? Well, y'all started. Well you? well, you know, I
2: I wasn't going to play basketball my senior year. I wanted to I wanted to run and lift weights and get ready for right. football going to TCU, and he. It took him about three times to sit me down and talking about playing basketball, and finally I, I caved in, and I was glad I did because you know we ended up getting I the state to tournament. You know, guys. Guys. <laughs> you know we got the dog beat out of us by Huntington in the first that. game, but uh, we did end, end up third, end up third place in yeah. the in the in the
0: state tournament. Back in those days, they went on and played, you know the two losers played. And today, you know, it's it's lose and go home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So oh, it's different yeah. it
2: was. Yeah. The, the the two winning teams in the first round would lack up for the play, final game, and then the two losing teams would play for third and fourth place. So,
1: so what was it like having Coach Miles? Tell us his coach story. It was how was he as a coach? Was he
2: intent? He was a happy-go-lucky, easy to I mean, it it wasn't. He didn't he didn't push us. Like say Bailey Marshall did. Bailey Marshall made, uh, in my opinion, Bailey Marshall made all the difference in the world in both of those years, our junior and our senior year, because of his knowledge of defensive football. And you what say, about Moon Mullins? You had him when you were. A I didn't. Sport, did you? I didn't know nothing about Moon Mullins. I, the, uh, you know, he was he was a line coach whenever oh, Punk okay. Miller and. Charlie Moore and all them of the there and and he did he did well until we played Linden over in Marshall yeah and we we blew the game to Linden whenever we were ranked number one in the state I mean that was just we had a good football team but there was some conflicts that came about and you know and and, and in fact I think. If I remember correctly, Punk Miller which is, I mean, was a guard and he was fixing to have to pass up because of his grades. He he would have to play that game and he did his efforts in that game just didn't cut it.
1: Was he a good football player? Oh, oh,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I remember to tell you what I remember about him. Cause <laughs> every time I was lined up in front, I don't even know what his real, real name was. Was it Punk? I, was if it James? Was it James? It might have been James. Yeah, okay. I know his brother was Teddy Joe. I didn't realize that. I'll say. All I I remember was I had a 57 Ford and he had a 56 Chevrolet.
0: Did y'all race? (laughs) And we
2: got out there on the White Oak Road past Loopers and we'd come dragging back to Orange School. (laughs) John Spurrier be testing y'all. That that Chevrolet would eat that forward up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. okay. What about uh, what about when y'all found when you found out Cotton was leaving? What was your opinion?
2: Well, I don't. Uh, I don't. I didn't have negative feelings. I thought he was, you know, moving up to the to the, the big leagues. You know, yeah. he was getting out of this one A ball and he was yeah. going into the four A ball and you know it, it yeah. I, the the one thing I remember, in fact the first year he was there he had a rough year. Yes. Yeah. But the second year he got he got those kids together and I was I was over in T at Fort Worth and they played a they played a, a bi district game against Pascal, yeah. Fort Worth Pascal. In the in that in that stadium, yeah, that that uh, Stadium, and uh, he had already turned the corner with those players. I mean, he had a good quarterback, had a good fullback, had a good end. Uh, some of those kids got college scholarships. Roy with you when you went to the ball game? Who did Roy go with you to the ball game? No. You know I don't remember. I don't. I don't remember where the Roy was there. Did y'all ever go by and visit Cotton? You and him? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> this is another one. that's funny. This is a funny one. I mean, funny. Roy had to go uh, because his grades were so low in the high school. He had to go in order to get TCU. He had to go take an exam, an entrance exam type thing and uh, he went and took that entrance exam and I, I went with him and uh, he came out and they had graded the exam and they had told him that uh, he'd enter on probation mm-hmm. now Roy didn't know what that meant <laughs> Roy Roy thought they was going to put him in jail <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. he, we went by Cotton's house and and uh, told he told Cotton that he'd made, he'd made it, uh, made enough from scoring, But he said, they're going to put me on probation. What does that mean? <laughs> Did Cotton start laughing? Right. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: Cotton mentioned that uh, Roy was not the best of a student. Oh, no. He hated school was
2: what he said. Yeah, well, he... He just won't have a good time. He just gonna have fun, you know. He had no no forty nine Chevrolet pickup truck, and the thing wouldn't start. I mean, he he couldn't get something. so to get it started every day. Up at, uh, he, his house was up on a hill. Yeah. We we he throw he throw it up, he'd throw it up in neutral, and we would both start running along alongside it, pushing it, getting the speed up. And then we'd jump up and he'd pull it in gear and let it out on the clutch and it'd start. Oh, <laughs> you'd, have, you'd have to park it over here at the school. You know that probably, start
0: go, probably go down that hill by the tennis court. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> where we did it. <laughs> oh <man>. boy. <laughs> you know, that that hill was you know, was something else. And we uh we had one coach uh that uh, the house that Cotton lived in, that's the best way for you to know. Other coaches lived in it. But in 72, the first year, we had won four years pretty good in a row. And uh, Coach Griffin got mad at them because they weren't in shape. He made them run up and down that hill (laughs) several times. And then one boy got mad and quit, and he said, a quitter just makes me want to spit. And uh, I, was, I was going on with a boy that was a sophomore. It was a senior then, he had played on my team and he, he's the only sophomore still alive that played on, the, on my team. And I, I said, was that true about the spitting? And he says, yeah. And then he laughed and, and carried on. But I mean, you know, it, it, it was something else. Yeah. But you know, we were, I was a freshman. I, mean, I was in kindergarten and first grade. And we grew up, all us kids—Davis, Bob Wade, Roy Bruce, Pat Parrish, We grew up hearing those names, even after y'all were gone. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and before we really get into the end of Roy Bruce, um, let's talk. Okay, did you play much at TCU?
2: Uh-uh.
0: Okay, you got—I know you got your degree, and you went on and you
2: coached. So. Yeah. Where all did you coach? I coached at Round Rock, and then uh, Garland, and two years at Sabine. At that time, Sabine was kind of a pushover, <laughs> dead dead end. Yeah, but you know what? Those Sabine kids—about half of them that should have been on the field were sitting up in the stands. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't. They. They lost their attitude and just. Uh, I mean, we had. I I had three guard, three linemen, and a linebacker sitting up in the stands, and they could play for anybody in the conference. I mean, it was a. But they they got this attitude of, yeah. we don't we don't like it. We're not gonna play. And yeah. That that was it. Well. But. Uh, <clears throat> okay. Then, what did you do after you, quit after you left the I went to the University of Texas in Austin and got in the computer business. Hmm, okay. Spent 34 years in the computer.
0: Okay. Well, do you have you lived, how long have you lived down in Toledo Bend there? Uh,
2: 16 years. Okay. I lived, I, when I retired, I went and lived four years on Lake Fork. Mm-hmm. And then left there and went to Toledo Bend and have been down there 16 years now. Okay. This is gonna
0: be the hard part. Where were you when you found out Roy Bruce had died in an automobile accident?
2: Uh, my wife's father had a service station right there on Highway 80 in, my da- in downtown Longview. And we pulled up, she and I pulled up into the driveway and her daddy came walking to us and said, I just heard that Roy Bruce got killed last night, mm. and we couldn't—we could believe it. And he—he—he he, he, he turned around and called Wells Funeral Home to verify, and the Wells Funeral Home verified that he was killed. You know that happened on a Christmas Eve. Uh, he had gone to a—he'd gone to a Christmas party, yeah. and was coming home. And it it was right, just right down the hill. You know, 150, 200 200 yards. from where he lived. Where he hit that tree. Yeah.
0: I know Don Hunter worked for Fred Matney, and and they said when they pulled the car out and came out, you know, they came out there by midway. At that time, McDonald's is there now, but Midway Pipe and Supply, when they came out, uh, he just put his head down in his hands, and then, my memory of it is we were walking with the Coxes to the to the uh, grave They didn't have Lakeview; didn't have a funeral home down there then, and they were at the funeral had been at Welch's. Jay comes up to my daddy and says, "Mr. Oliver, what are we gonna do?" Hmm. And of course,
2: daddy, was just broken hearted. I uh, I know approximately where his grave site is. You know they have that little pond. Yeah down there and it was I thought it was down in you know, that area. My mother and daddy are buried there and I've tried to find their headstone and you know, and they're they, I can't find it. i m I'm gonna go up to the office one of these days. There's and, so many
0: rules down there. You can't you gotta have a flat headstone. Yeah. I know uh I know some people that are Yeah, yeah there's not anything sticking and, up no, there's at all. there's nothing sticking up. But that you know that was heartbreaking. Uh, and for several years, I'm gonna say this, for several years, nobody wore number 22 in White Oak. Really? Even after even after I got out of high school, which I got out of high school in 1971, you can say 12, 13, I, I think even on through uh, the 70s, I don't think anybody wore 22. Mm. And then all
2: of a sudden, it pops up mm-hmm. <laughs> speaking gonna, of 22 start a campaign. <laughs> speaking of 22
1: we are definitely starting a campaign I've, I've already uh, mentioned it on the Repping the Roughnecks Instagram page me and James are 120,000% set on getting this man's jersey retired still holds the record in White Oak for rushing. Um, and just uh, the athlete he was, every, everything that everyone's told us about Roy. Yeah. Um, it's just, I think it's definitely important for that yeah.
2: to happen. It, uh, I don't know whether you, I, and I'm not totally sure that I'm accurate on this, but out of that little old class A high school, there have been nine people go to the pros. And Max McGee, scored the first touchdown in the first so that it, it, like then it was NFL versus CFL didn't yeah. call it the Super Bowl mm-hmm. but Max McGee caught the first touchdown pass in the yeah. first Super Bowl it's incredible
0: you know they uh, on the 50th anniversary they gave each high school a ball uh, we we got two for Max and then we got one for Byron hunt we got three Byron Hunt. We got three. He had an older brother who played for the patrons. Sam, Sam Hunt, yeah. And played for the New England patrons? Yeah. Middle line. the line. Hunt worked for us for years and years. In fact, I went by and saw Loneva about three or four
2: weeks ago, and Sam was there, and I talked yeah. to him. Sam I said, if, if you watch the Houston Oilers, and you see and you watch, uh, uh, what's the guy, the Ball. Tyler Rose? R- Earl. Yeah. Earl Campbell, and you yeah. watch him run for the Oilers, You'll also see Mike, my barber, Mike yeah. Barber, starting at the end of that.
0: Yeah. And Mike Mike was a quarterback. His junior year, my senior year. What he went
2: to Ruston to school? What he, he went to Louisiana Tech. Yeah. Louisiana Tech. Yeah. Yeah. Same place Terry Bradshaw went. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, he and, went. He and you went went. know the crazy thing about? It? My son played at at uh, Captain Shreve High School. Yeah. In Shreveport, and Lee Hedges, who coached Terry Bradshaw, was my son's head coach. And uh, yeah, I
0: told uh, uh, Paul a story about my senior year. We were at the uh, fair, and my girlfriend, yeah. Catherine Goss, she was throwing a fit to have a to have a, a bear and you had to throw a football through the hoop, and here comes Mike, one oh. along. I said, hey, Mike, and I gave him the money, and then I get, I get the bear, and so I'm I'm happy and everything. And then here comes all these other white old people, and he, he just had him work out that Saturday night, and uh, he, uh, uh, you know, they ended up running him off, because he was about to break them.
2: Uh-huh. You, you you don't, it, I'm sure it's not there now, but in, in front of the old high school, what, what was the old high school? Yeah. It was a fish pond, and they had goldfish in the pond. You could sit there, there'd be some lily pads up on top, but you could sit there and watch those goldfish, you know, but uh, well, we had a kid named Ronnie Adams. And Ronnie, he had lived with his mother in Dallas, but his daddy was dead. Daddy got killed in World War II. Battle so, uh, of the Bulge. Mm. And so uh, Ronnie, she, she couldn't handle Ronnie, so Ronnie got sent to live with his grandfather and grandmother who his worked. Grandfather worked for school. Yeah, worked for the school. Ronnie, and they lived right across the street. Well, Ronnie's a mischievous type guy. He, he'd try anything. He goes over to T.T. Rhodey's little stock tank with his fishing rod, and he catches a bass out of that stock tank that was about this long. He brought that bass back and put it in that fish pond. <laughs> and a bass loves goldfish. I was like, no more, no more goldfish in that pond, Mr. Simmons, whose office, he was principal, and his office was right outside the door where that fish pond was. He comes walking out, and he looks down there, and he said, Who put that bass in that fish pond? And Ronnie said, Mr. Simmons, I can't lie, I did it. He said, You get that fish, you get that bass out of that pond. (laughs) So Ronnie walks across the street to his house, and he gets his shotgun. Oh no. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he comes back to that fish pond and he shoots that bass right there in front of the school. Miss <laughs> Simmons comes running outside. Who's what what happened here? Ronnie said, Well I you wanted me to get that bass out, so I shot him in and now I've got him out. <laughs> he threw he put Ronnie out he threw him out of school for three days. That was his <laughs> man, it was like I say, Ronnie, Ronnie was. He went to Stephen F. Austin's school and he he majored in biology. And he uh, he kept the biology department supplied with snakes, you know, for doing procedures on snakes. And he'd go down in the Angelina River bottom, which is just south of Nacogdoches, and he'd catch him dead gum snakes by his hand. I mean, <laughs> he, he put. He would come back with dead gum water moccasins and have supplied snakes for the biology department. <laughs> That's kind of he was.
1: <laughs> so I'm gonna, I want to ask another question, going kind of going back to Coach Miles. I asked Coach about him leaving White Oak and kind of get into what happened. And I just want to I just want to know, on your perspective, you were just a high school student then. You just you know you're just a ball player for him. Did um, did y'all know of anything that was going on as far as like a split in the school? Did y'all know that there was people that weren't on his side? I well, mean, was that like something that students knew and the role players knew?
2: I don't think it was something that, that people in the community were involved in. Uh-huh. Coach Coach Miles blamed it all on Mr. Carrington, uh-huh. superintendent, and C.C. Simmons, the principal. He said it was their job to do the research and find out whether or not Matt Griffith was eligible, because we had gotten, Oak had gotten kicked out of the playoffs with an ineligible player back in 1954. 54, yeah, something like that. And they had a they had a guy named Howard Keck that came in new from that year, child. and and. From from Arkansas? Arkansas. Yeah, yes. from Arkansas. And they researched that and White Oak had to had to forfeit three games that they had won in the early part of the season. And they they beat everybody else out, but Gaston had the better record since White Oak had, had to give up had to forfeit three games.
1: And White Oak had beat them too. Yeah, year.
2: beat a bad. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, Gaston had two players. They, they ran a single wing offense, and they had a guy named Claire Branch, who was the tailback in that single wing offense, and he started two years for the University of Texas in Austin. Hmm. That was how good he was. But White uh, you look at the Rock, in fact, I made sure I brought that angle, those players in there, uh, Edwin Robertson. And uh, it was Buddy Baker and uh, a guy named Joe Thomas, and uh, it was an all-stater as a tackle. And uh, they had a good, good team, and, and they got kicked out over that deal. And that and Do you think Cotton, that- Cotton Miles blamed that on the principal and the superintendent. And when it happened again in our senior year. Cottonmouth said i have had enough. Do you I think, think that if
1: that wouldn't happen he would have ever left? i never asked him that question but I just as a perspective you do you all think that maybe would have happened or you think he would have stayed in White Oak if that I, would have happened I, I twice? Think he would
2: have stayed. There was good teams coming you know They uh, uh, the the next year wasn't, wasn't real good but then you got Russell, Russell they White James King year. and they went Tommy Arms thing. and you know a bunch of good linemen and boy, yeah. they, they were they were tough. In fact, yeah. Russell got hurt. Got hurt in quarterfinals. And the quarterfinals, and he didn't get to play in the semifinals, and they got beat, barely beaten in the semifinals. Yeah. But they had a real good team going over and playing Hawkins, and we beat them 42 nothing. and Roy scored, what, five? Five or six, five of the touchdowns in 42 nothing. Do you
1: remember the story? Uh, Coach talked about it, how he said Roy... Um, last play of the game he threw up running the ball oh, do you, many hours. Do you Dude, remember that
2: game? i don't i i remember the game uh-huh but i don't remember roy throwing up like that i Co- guess C- cotton said that yeah he said he sent y'all
1: home that day he said y'all go rest eat good he said roy ended up eating a, ha- a gallon of ice cream <laughs> Yeah. And so he said the last last two plays, he ran Roy. And he said, next thing you know, there's a pile and everyone's fighting. And he said Roy had thrown up on everyone.
2: You know, there was, when we played it that way, like when we played Minneola, there was a restaurant that was about two miles back toward Hawkins from Minneola And we would always stop there and after the game. We'd get an after-game meal. And, uh, I, but I don't... I don't remember not stopping. I bet that Roy didn't stop. Yeah. He's still out there on the bus throwing up <laughs> <laughs> Oh me. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, we was talking about uh, disqualification. I know because I was here for years, people didn't talk to each other. I really? mean, it, 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 it was a bad, bad split in the end. Yeah. Awesome. I asked the 1970
1: team this, I want to ask you as well. If um, Senior Roughneck's listening to this right now, what would you say to a a football player?
2: You've got a chance to play at a White Oak Roughneck, and there ain't no better place in the state as far as I'm concerned.
0: Well, you know, I've already had my stuff. I tell you what, you know, the tradition continues, and it, it will continue, and Jerry's right there's no better place to play. And you just gotta always remember, you're held accountable 57, 58, 60, 63, 64, 68, 69, 70, 71, and 13. And then anything else I missed in between, those are the teams my coach always said, you're gonna be remembered by how well you do if you won they're gonna remember you if you
2: didn't win. They're not gonna remember you. Yeah, I can. I can. Uh, I know that I can name at least seven of those that have played in the NFL, and I think there's two that I think played in the NFL. Uh, I just can't. It just something says I can't. Just swear that they did. The starting quarterback for the 1947 team. Ended up being a starting quarterback, I think, for the Detroit Lions. I think you're right. And uh, a guy named Dick Fugler was a defensive, yeah. was a tackle, and he played in that. And Randall McGee went to Notre Dame, and I think he got drafted yeah. to play in the NFL. And of course, it's, I don't know whether he was a cousin with Max or his br- Max's brother. Brother. Max's yeah. brother. Yeah, there's a, there were a bunch of Coy and Randall and I don't know yeah. who, who, who yeah. else. Oh, that's right, Coy McGee got, was in there as, as well. Yeah, we have a lot of, I'm going to tell you something, I got a lot of history. You know, where I lived over here was in the Spring Hill School, and you could transfer back in those days. And my daddy went down and filled up the necessary paperwork to transfer. Thank Best you. move he ever made! <laughs> Did your did your mother and daddy move down here on White Oak Road? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were right there beside Miss Blackstone, you know, where Miss Blackstone Yeah, because daddy used to go by there and
0: blow a horn and everything, get yeah. It on. Yeah. And if he thought you was there, he'd get
2: to holler and go on. Yeah. Until I graduated, and then they moved there on White Oak Road. Uh, I don't remember how long, just how long they stayed there. They finally, Daddy finally had to give up. Mother got, you know, Alzheimer's, and he'd find her out on the highway, walking herself, and she wouldn't even know where she was, that sort of thing. In fact, when she uh, she passed away, I was in Austin, visiting the University of Texas Austin to get some information on database systems that we were looking at. I got a call in the room before we went to see the people at, at UT, and they my mother had died that night. and I had to get on on rent a car and get on back to Shreveport. I tell you that stuff's horrible. I, you'll see uh, in one of the annuals the girl that was elected football sweetheart in my senior year. Her name was Judy Allison, and she died with Alzheimer's. Oh, I didn't um, know that. In her early sixties. Freddie, Freddie Sutton was talking about how he would run into her out of the baseball little league baseball game and she'd pass him up and wouldn't even know him. You know, and yeah, here they were, they'd gone to school together for twelve years. Yeah. Gorgeous girl. Yes, I remember her.
1: The homecoming we're gonna have Coach Miles Part two, homecoming edition. Was there anything you could say to Coach Miles or-
2: Oh, I just thought oh, I'd be tell him that I'm so glad that I got to play for him, that, uh, that uh, you think of all the different coaches who've been at White Oak, uh, it'd be hard to, well I guess Andy Griffin was a was a good coach. Yeah, he was a good coach. And uh, of course Bailey was a good coach. And, uh, in fact, Bailey made the difference in our team because of his Defensive knowledge. Cotton could get us on offense, and Bailey was he was he was really good at defensive defensive schemes and all. But I I i I've not I'm not known any coach while I was was in coaching that I would rather have than Cotton Miles you know, awesome. as a head coach. I, I probably shouldn't say this but I, I will anyway. I think th- I don't think Cotton was a a great football genius while he was here at White Oak, but after he went to Woodrow Wilson and got in that big big classification, he had to learn and he's he spent time with good coaches. You know, he was a he was a sideline coach for the Cowboys. Yeah. yeah. And, uh he just, uh...
0: yeah, I talked about one night we went up there. They were playing uh, Kimball for the, they called it the City Championship. Yeah. And they were playing at PC Cobb Stadium. And I think it was the year that after Russell Lemon got on the semifinals and yeah. uh, we set out up in the stands and about that time Daddy let loose. Mm-hmm. Turn them loose, let them roll, Cotton. He turned around and he just grinned and then he went on back to coaching. He went out and talked to him at the end of the game. And the game ended tied on penetrations and the cotton one on first downs. I would So, yeah, he was. He was solid. And it wasn't, Scotty, didn't Scotty play for Brian Adams? Yeah, Scotty played for Brian Adams. Yeah, that's just an interesting interesting thing. There was one, there was Cotton was coaching against his son. Starting quarters out for Brian Adams. And the punter. And then he beat beat his daddy, or They tied the first time, and Uh then then they played for the city, the by-district, it was city, they caught the city championship, and Brian Adams beat him the next. Probably spent as much time
2: over Cotton's house as they
0: did with their own coach. (laughs) Probably. So was Mister
1: Oliver James' daddy? Was he everything everyone says he was? How loud he was in the oh, stand? yeah. You could hear him <laughs> everywhere,
2: huh? I'm telling you, throughout he, the he, whole game, or he'd come, just the no, beginning. would come to every pep rally, really. In that little old Cracker Box gym we had, the band would come marching down the hallway, playing music, come walking, come marching into the to the gymnasium, and just rattling the boards. I mean. And then you'd hear, roll, roof decks, roll. How many times a game do you think you'd hear that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then it'd it, it be just one more, Cotton. Just give it to Bruce one more time. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember the song Green Door? Yeah. Do you remember them playing that at a pep rally or something and they had a green door and everybody will to know what was behind the green door and daddy came out? Oh, really? Cotton and, Cotton and Lou every time they'd see me down through the years <laughs> they they talk about the green door <laughs> mm-hmm. uh,
1: I told James I'm going to uh, I'm going to bring back the roll rough next roll you are going to hear me in the stands uh, this, this year well, you will it
0: I just you oh god to he, he ain't going to see me probably
1: but he's going to hear me he's going <laughs> to like oh man <laughs> So uh, just be yeah. prepared now. If you hear that, it's from me. I
0: got to where where I didn't I didn't go I don't go to out of town guys unless it's Spring Hill, Sabine, something like that. Well, I got so many kids that I know in Gladewater that uh, you know it's tough. It's tough. I mean, uh, the mayor over there, his boy Zach Ship, he's a good ball player, and it it it's real tough. You know, I try to. You know, and then the eighth graders, I try to, and then they, they, one of the coaches over there, a the Clower boy, Clower man, it, they had the meat market over here on 42. Uh, he's a good friend of mine.
2: So I, I have a, you know, a tough time. Gladewater had a, I have to be at the White Oak Gladewater game. It was played at White Oak. And this was, it was a guy named, I believe it's Stony
0: Williams. You sure? You sure? It wasn't Stony Clark? Yeah, big that's old guy it, played at Texas. Yeah, he, he was. He was
2: a sophomore. Yeah, stopped Oklahoma. And he I watched. Done. I watched him as a sophomore, mm-hmm. and I said, the, "The kid can't move. He's too heavy." But then he he got to the point where he was developing, and the University of Texas signed him. And he was, I guess he was a nose tackle for the University of Texas. Boy, he was something else. He stopped Oklahoma on the yeah. deadline. I mean,
0: he won about that.
1: Before we ended, I do want to talk about the state game. The state game? state game. We haven't really got to talk too much about that. Um, I know Cotton said that when y'all got back from town, uh, everyone wondered what happened. And he said, well, we tied. Y'all were putting up a lot of points that year. What, take us back to that game. What, were
2: they, was Mark that good of a team? Well, the the things I remember Mm -hmm. about that game is we tried, we tried to, going back and trying to throw the ball, and they had a big old lineman. He went to Texas A&M. I don't I can't remember his name, Uh, but he went to Texas A&M, and he, he was, he was breaking through a lot, and I never could get set up before I could throw the ball. Right, and uh, I guess if I'd have been smart, I'd have rolled out, done some rollout type throws, and gotten away from him because he wasn't that fast, but he was uh, he was big and strong. And uh, when did Roy bust out and do and tied the game? Was that like late in the fourth quarter? Four minutes left. Do you know he uh, after he broke the score, he intercepted two passes and. Yeah and put us in a position to score again, and and we couldn't punch the ball in. We missed two field goals, didn't we? Yeah, sure did, missed two goals. David David tried one, and Bob tried one, and missed both of them. Yeah, he, in fact, there's a poem that Moon Mullins wrote about that run, and uh, I don't know who, somebody, we had a, a, we had a kind of a class reunion and they read that poem uh, and, and there's something about uh, Bruce got loose you know and it is ma- it in the annual huh is it in the annual I uh, know it's not an annual and I thought I had I, I, I may be able to find that at home yeah, that'd be cool to read yeah. yeah how was he?
1: was it was he was Roy was it did he know he was a bad boy I mean was it how was he, like personality-wise? Was he quiet? No, had fun. Yeah.
2: Big fun. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, uh, I mean, he was mischievous. I tell you how, and I, I'll tell you what's wrong with you. In that old gymnasium, there was a, in one end of the gymnasium, one corner, there was a chain, a big one of those big thick wired chain lengths tight devices that separated that off and he couldn't he couldn't get in there so he climbed you're talking about the the gym that
0: yeah the old, old the old gym the yeah. closest
2: to the administration yeah
0: okay and
2: he climbed up the brick wall of that gym up on the second floor with his fingers and managed to get the door a window pried open and got into the into the into the area, and there was all kinds of pictures. He was on the gauger staff, you know, taking pictures and all that. He got a he must have come out of that thing with five hundred pictures. <laughs> he stole, he, he got all that five hundred pictures and so forth. And then he took them all to his little old house. He had a little old house that he and his brother shared. How about and and they put those pictures up that. The paper, the wallpaper was those pictures that he got out of that. <laughs> I, mean, I wonder what happened picture. to those pictures. Oh, no <laughs> <God laughs> telling. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I. I I tried to get, follow him up. I couldn't get that far off the ground. <laughs> and he climbed,
1: he climbed up. So it's true he got kicked out of every basketball game too from Coach, uh, Coach Miles said He was a roughhouse basketball player. Yeah, I'll tell you what. We <laughs> I played. Know he got a,
0: I know he got a foul down against Huntington. He pushed a yeah, old
2: so. fat boy that was down there. <laughs> that uh, I that boy that uh, Roy hit, he bought my house from him when I left Nacogdoches. He, he come in that dose and bought, I was in that dose four months yeah. and bought a house. And this kid bought the house. Does he know who you are? I, I, I told him, I told him, I said, you know, I'm, I went to White Oak and we played y'all in the state tournament. And, and you know, they were they were really good. Huntington was great. And, that, and this old boy said, I'm going to tell you what. He said, that Roy Bruce hit me and I hurt for two days. <laughs> Did he know Roy Bruce had gotten killed? No, he, I, d- got I don't know. Dead. I don't remember whether he did or not. But Roy, the ball got free and was going toward kind of the Huntington bench, and Roy took off after it, and this kid took off after it, and I mean Roy got there first, and then he laid the code to it to get that ball. You know, it was time. Roy, it ain't football season no yeah, more. Yeah, <laughs> right. In fact, you know somebody on the sideline said. I don't think got that football out of him yet.
0: <laughs> I wish I wish we had a video of y'all going after Red Lawrence and Bailey Marshall, oh. clapping his hands and telling y'all to stop. Yeah, we we were that, like that was yesterday, man. Did Roy? He
1: really wanted to go after oh, that we guy. We were both going after yeah. him. Yeah. You know we. What do you think we, y'all would have done? Roughed them up a little bit. i guarantee you. <laughs> He wished he hadn't showed up at the gym. gym. Hey, uh, like, I can see it now on the front page. Two White Oak football players arrested. <laughs> <laughs> it would have
0: been worth it, would oh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I, imagine, I imagine there'd been some people down here that would have got the bail money for
2: you.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Huh. Did that beef
1: go on for many years after Lord, that? Oh yes. Yeah. Even,
0: even after I graduated from high school, it, uh, we Well, and when I was a sophomore, they were in our district, and junior, they were in our district. But uh, they came down here when I was a sophomore, and we beat them 52 to nothing. And uh, I mean, there was people hollering and yelling at him and red and everything. Oh, I bet he got it good, huh?
2: Yeah, you know, the year after we graduated, we came back, Roy and I came back, for the Hawkins game, they played them here in White Oak. Yeah, and that uh, uh, can't think of his name. He was a track star, but he he was playing in the Hawkins backfield, and I know they beat uh, a Hawkins beat us one. I think one touchdown, maybe two, maybe two. And and uh, I remember that kid. You know, that would have been 1959. So yeah. Yeah, and uh, I went to work at Train Corporation there in Tyler that yeah. manufactured air conditioners. Yeah, and one of the old boys on the staff, one of the managers, was the fullback on that Hawkins team. And uh, he made some comment about how he was the he was the all state fullback on Hawkins. And I said, I think you probably got that wrong because I said Russell White was a fullback at White Oak. <laughs> Didn't make him mad? Yeah, he shut him up.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Well, now, Russell, see, Russell, you're talking about the year after you left, just Russell's junior year. Russell got hurt, his arm somehow, his junior huh, year. Because I, I remember that. when I played, I believe it was Landon and Wado, yes. Russell was standing out there in street clothes with his arm all wrapped up. So he well, missed. It was please. his knee that caused him to miss he, the Oh yeah, the in, in the semifinals, it was. it was ankle, I think. He, uh, uh, we were in the last quarter, we were ahead of Clifton, I think 20 or 21 to six, and, um, They twisted his knee or his ankle or something and they took him off. You know, of
2: course, both Bob and Russell went to Rice. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were both smart. Yeah. And uh, they went to Rice. And Bob, when he graduated, he went and tried out with the Cowboys. And he was cut in the last cut because he didn't quite have the speed. To pay in the defensive secondary against those receivers of the NFL, and so he was cut. Like, but Russell stayed three years with the Cowboys, and then they traded him to Pittsburgh, and yeah. then he retired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
0: one of his that was when you had the AFL NFL war going on in the nineteen sixties, and uh, Russell had a yellow Grand Prix. That was mm-hmm. what the Cowboys
2: bought. He he was play. he was competing against Leroy Jordan. And um, Chuck Howley and I forget what the other linebacker was. was and he Edwards, was a backup linebacker yeah. for one of, yeah. one of those outside linebackers. Yeah, players. he could've he could have gone
0: on and played some more for uh Pittsburgh because uh-huh. you're talking about sixty probably 66, 67, before they got
2: you know, before Chuck No got there and they got good. You know uh, of course Mike Barber made it big with the oilers. Yeah. But Bailey told me that Terry Barber, you know, he went to Miami and played down there and then got walked off the field or whatever. Uh-huh. And for a couple of years he didn't play. and then he went up to Dallas and tried out for the Cowboys. And Bailey said he was all, he almost made the team. Terry Barber uh,
0: was played halfback and um, he threw a lot of halfback passes, a lot of touchdown passes, yeah. mainly to Ronnie McKinney and Danny Lander.
2: Yeah. That, uh, that team that Terry was on... Uh, That's the one that tied Hallsworth. And one that played Hallsworth, so was a good game, tight game. In fact, I remember seeing Bailey right at... He was going up into the press box uh, because Hallsworth was playing Bastrop, and I was up there because I had been scouting Bastrop down in Austin. And uh, I went to that, I went to the game and to write up the f- scouting report for Bastrop and of course, Hawes would whip their tail. And it was, yeah. but uh, man, was, that was, that had to be. I wish I could have seen that game between White Oak and Hawes. It was Cause, a good ball. Game. I'll bet you it was a good ball game, yeah. Say uh, see, so that's
0: powerful. These younger kids don't understand. Up until 1980, either you won district or you stayed home. They don't understand that.
2: Yeah, Just mm-hmm. three, three, three of them get
0: to qualify. That, that team that team that I'm, we're talking about that went up to Allen, that team didn't win district. They got, uh, Hallsville, not Hallsville, but Tatum beat them in district. Cause I was sitting by Ronnie McKinney at yeah. the ball game. Yeah. They didn't win district, but see, what happened was, and I think Tatum had their number. Tatum got beat in the first or second round, so why don't we have to play Tatum, in, you know, in the playoffs? Yep. And then we just rolled on. Yeah, we had a good ball team, but we made one fatal mistake against Tatum right before the half, we had a fourth down close to midfield and we went for it. And Ronnie was sitting up or McKinney was sitting up there hollering and used to punt and he used to punt, which you'd have put the ball down there with less than two minutes and you know, they probably wouldn't have scored. But we didn't
2: make the first down and then they
0: went on down and scored.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. The, the the game I remember seeing White Oak play that I was living in the Austin area and there was no old boy working with me down at the University of Texas and White Oak ended up lined up against Pflugerville. Uh-oh. And Uh-oh. Mike Barber, Mike Barber was the quarterback and there was a black kid, a small black kid, there was a runner. Kevin Yeah, okay. The one that broke. He broke,
0: uh, close to the end of the game, he broke uh, on a draw play and went down to about the 23-yard line. And then the next play, we got the ball down to the 17-yard line and it was second and four. Then we ran a rollout, and I know what you're fixing to tell, they took the ball out of my Barber's arm. Yeah. yeah. It
2: was so a I good was, game, it was a
0: good That was my senior year, I was left tackle. Were you? Yeah. you kidding me. you didn't know let go. We, first first off, we took the ball, opened the kickoff, went down to the two yard line and somebody moved and it was instead of fourth and two, fourth and seven, Bobby Hawthorne, he was used to running this next pass pattern from a split position instead of a tie and they caught it from a tie and the ball was right on his fingertips, he didn't catch it, and they got the
2: ball. We missed
0: the extra point, they made the extra point. I didn't think Pflugerville
2: was that good, I'm surprised it was even.
0: I, Even close. I, I can I can name three or four ball teams that we played that uh, were better. Were better, yeah. Barbers Hill was better. I mean, now that yeah. was a ball game. We played. Sorry, the first half, and then we came back and we put uh, thirty points on the board the second half, like a racetrack.
2: Hmm.
0: Anything else you got
2: to say? <laughs> oh, I guess my biggest disappointment in football was going to TCU and, and not getting to play. Could and you have gone somewhere else? I, if I had gone to a school that was a running, primary running team, TCU had been a running team the year before when I, was, when, when I went to Cotton Bowl and watched them play the Air Force cabinet in Cotton Bowl. It was run, run, run. But they recruited a big old 6-7 quarterback named Sonny Yes to play for the Cowboys. And that wow. son of a gun could throw that football. I guarantee you he could throw it 90 yards in there. <laughs> he had the damnedest arm I've ever seen. And uh, they, they, they went from a running prominently running offense to a throwing offense. And in the Southwest Conference back in those days you just didn't do that sort of thing. I mean yeah. you were lining up against Arkansas, you were gonna see nine out of ten running plays, you lined up against Texas, you were gonna see nine out of ten running Daryl Royal that said if you pass the ball there's two there's three, three things that can to happen to them are bad. <laughs> I don't know how in the world he would look at all this throwing nowadays. And I I mean that hell, it's fifty-fifty now. You know, know, I I got to thinking
0: about how my team would have worked worked out. We would have had the little number five, if you were talking about. He would have been the running back, and then they would have had Wilburn. He would have been split out, and um, Buddy Coker would have been. We, I mean, we would have been hard to handle. We, you know. The way it is yeah. now, but uh, it's changed. The game has just changed yeah. so and much. The, and the team that was our big competition was Harp, and they were twenty-seven and three, nine-one, nine-one, nine-one. They lost a wide open three years, didn't make the playoffs. My junior, senior, and the year I got out. Our senior year, yeah. <laughs> Anything else you want to say, Mister? Undefeated? I'm George. It's his Jerry Newjack. <laughs> so we really enjoyed
2: yeah, it. You probably thought that you never would be called that again. Yeah, just, I wish old Corky was still around. I do too. I, I know Goodwill. He'd call me Coonie. Was that his real him. name, Corky? Huh? That was his real name, Corky Arm. Corky yeah. Arms, what, uh, what year did
0: he pass away? 90, oh, a long time ago. I can tell you, ninety-six. Wow. He what, passed.
2: A, what yeah. was wrong with him?
0: He went out, he was out in the yard and he mowed, It was mowing and he just,
2: Fell you know, up. they had
0: had, heart trouble had run through that family. Really? His daddy had. Is Jackie still alive? I know Tommy is and Lewis is, I don't think Louis is that good. I don't know. Yeah, um, but you don't know whether Jackie's still alive? No, I don't ever hear nothing out of Jackie. I don't know. I'm i have probably, you with know. uh, up because he lives just
2: right back, the last time I saw him, he yeah. built a house just, just down the way, he turned Lewis, out and go through the tunnel, come out of where Thomas was. Lewis built a house around here by the cemetery. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, my,
0: uh, my cousin built it for him. Uh, but uh, now Corky, uh, Corky was real good to me and uh, he would he would tell me about going uh, squirrel hunting. Uh, grand, my granddad take all of the boys yeah. up there He said, yeah, he told us one night. He said, boys, ain't nothing going to happen to you. I done talked to the Lord. And then he'd say, Jaybird, Jaybird, sitting in the grass. Pull back the trigger and shoot
2: him in the old (laughs) nose." Just like that. That was the Corky Arms story. (laughs) He was a cut up. Yes, he was. I think he gave everybody in the school their their nickname. You know, know, uh, speaking
0: of Corky, one time, he told John Spurrier something about some somebody was ripping and roaring up and down the down the high, down Water Road, and he and John says, what, well, did you get their license?" And he says, "Yeah." And so he read read the license off, and so the next day, here comes John into Bob Perry's shop class. Corky, come here. And Courtney had given John Spurrier John Spurrier's license plate. He had run it run a check on it up at up at
2: the courthouse back when he had to do that. Yeah. Ever everybody had got chased by Spurrier at one time or another, didn't they? John was a good man. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, any last words, Mr. Jerry Davis, before we close out this episode 4 Well, I, will. I- I've said all I can think
2: of to so. say. Right. Well, we've really enjoyed it. <laughs> we really have, it, yeah.
1: Me and James have been looking forward to this. Yeah. Um,
2: Just, uh, you know, keep those books. and absolutely. Go through them. They're really good art. The only art thing that was missing was that an article. I don't know why my mother didn't cut this one out. She didn't cut out an article when we beat Albany up and Denton. But it's, it, it's shown in the angle and so forth. Yeah. So. Looking forward to going through all that stuff. Yeah. So get a lot of content out
1: of it. And well, James, Mr. Davis, we've uh
2: closing out episode four Reppin Sessions Podcast. No, I don't want to hear it, Mr. Davis. I wanna hear Kunai from now on.
1: Kunai yeah.
2: <laughs> Episode four. We are out of here. Roll
1: roughnecks roll. You-